I think that's a mistake when people spend way too much time and effort on the who do I need to meet? What party do I need to go to? Who do I need to rub shoulders with? Who do I need to buy a drink for? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's uh, instead of be good at what you do first. First and foremost, be a good actor. If you have nothing to sell, then don't try to sell it yet. So uh, be the best at whatever it is you want to do. Be the best singer, dancer, actor. Be the best. Then find a way to do it in front of somebody who can hire you. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer, and coming up in episode 195, the third and final part of Trev's chat with creature and character actor Doug Jones, whose work includes the Hellboy films, Adaptation, Pan's Labyrinth, the TV series Falling Skies, and much, much more. In part three, Doug talks about how getting, quote, pigeonholed is a very good thing. Hey, we've talked about that on the show before. Why, if you don't have anything to sell, you shouldn't be selling it yet. And how relationships, relationships, and, oh yeah, relationships are the true currency of every actor's career. That and the countdown to episode 200, all coming up in episode 195, so stick around. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, GoGo.com start. Another week gone by, another episode to record, my friend. There's this thing that happens in New York every year that's that's by no means a big deal at all. It is the opposite of a big deal. It's very small. It's the, it's the they've only been doing it for four years, and and last night we performed in what essentially was a storefront uh, called the New York Funny Songs Festival. Yeah, and, that sounds and amazing. so the Larry New York Funny Song Festival. Funny Songs <laughs> Festival. Yeah, so so Larry O'Keefe song. was invited to be a part of it, so he invited uh, okay. some of the the Heather's to come to come sing with him, uh, and we did. And we're doing it again tonight. Apparently, the venue is better tonight. But while we were outside, you know, waiting to go on, one of the other actors from from Heather's, you know, it's 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 the thing that we do as, as actors. She was like, what are you, what have you been up to? Like, what are you working on? What do you, you know, we always get that, that question, right? Actors get that question a lot. And I was like, I was trying to think of like how to respond to, to it because we tend to think, Oh, if I don't have an audition or a, or a show or a thing that I'm working on, then I'm, I'm not, good i'm not like a person i'm not a <laughs> i'm not an artist how dare i try and you know call myself an actor right and right. so i just i just took a step back for a moment didn't answer the question right away 
and thought about how awesome my life was. And I said, you know what? I'm great. Everything's fucking awesome. I started playing hockey and just started talking about <laughs> I just started talking about stuff that had nothing not nothing to do with the yeah. industry, but just like I answered the question like any other human would answer that question <laughs> as opposed to this sort of weird mind fuck thing that actors do to ourselves where we try to answer that question from the through the through the through the the lens of the industry. Yeah. I just can't I just can't wait till, you know, so I go in to meet some, I don't know, producer or a casting director or, or something, have some kind of face-to-face time with somebody, and they're like, so tell me about yourself. I'm going to be like, well, I grew up in Southern California where there was no ice, and I was pissed, so now I'm in the Northeast, and I'm playing ice hockey, and it's amazing, or or whatever, like right. just to talk about you know stuff that I think is cool and I'm, I'm passionate about. So anyway, that's – literally the only thing i wanted to talk about in terms of what was going on with me well well cor- <laughs> this week correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't it sheila guthrie who said uh on this show that when you know actors i think it was she i heard this somewhere but i could have sworn sheila maybe reiterated it that when you know when casting directors um meet an actor in the room and they say like oh you know they're you know they're looking at your resume and your photo and they're saying so tell me about yourself or what have you been up to or whatever i think sheila said it's like Sometimes it's like a, a sort of a red flag or a turnoff if the actor immediately is like, oh, you know, I'm working on such and such a show or I'm working on this or that. Like, because she wants to hear about the actor's life. Like, what makes them mm. interesting is a person. And I think yeah. that's a, that's, that's a th- like, like you just said, that's a thing that actors do is we think we're like failing if we don't have like, you know, career news. But I mean, how many times have we said this in this show? It's all about the life that you live. And that is your work. That is the work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, that's that is a that is a deep noodle bake right there. Deep noodle bake, new hashtag. Boom. Deep noodle bake. There's Boom. noodle bakes and there's deep noodle bakes. <clears throat> deep noodle bake. Wow, I just deep, declared it. Deep dish, deep dish <laughs> yes. noodle bake. Yeah. Uh, so so maybe that's the challenge. You know, we used to give out homework back in the day. Maybe that's the challenge or the homework for this week is like you know if someone asks you if you're listening to this and you're an artist of any kind, if someone asks you what you've been up to. Start with life stuff first and then talk about – I mean if there's something exciting going on in your career, if there's something hugely exciting going on in your career, of course that's life stuff. It's like, oh, I just just moved to New York to do a musical. Like we got to talk about that. But, um, you know, if not – uh, or even if even if there is, like maybe there's something more exciting going on in your life, like getting a cat. Yeah. (laughs) Or or what have you. <clears throat> yeah, well, Andre, just adding to the cat photos on the internet. Now, now I'm like, I want to know what's going on in your acting world, but I feel like if I just say like, "Hey, man, what's up with you?" I, I feel like that's a test. Now you have to answer me in a, a very specific way about yeah. your life. <laughs> Let me see. I um, slept a little later than I wanted to this morning. Nice. I had off to a good uh, start. A peanut butter and jelly sandwich for breakfast. Um. Yeah. No, I seriously, uh, today I'm rehearsing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm bored. I'm bored. I know. <laughs> Trevor, too far. Too far. Come back. I, um, I'm rehearsing. Uh, I'm doing some choreography for the, the Terminate Our Love music video today. And then we shoot tomorrow and Tuesday. Oh, that's right. This is yeah. a shoot week. Yeah. I'm nice. super I, I met with Doug and he gave me sort of a, a verbal breakdown of the shot list. And, and it sounds like it's going to be so much fun, man. It's going to be so fun. And we even have a like a miniature 
um, movable model of a T one hundred, of like the of the like the metal skeleton of a Terminator that with eyes that light up and everything. And we're gonna do well, not we. Doug's gonna do it. I'm just gonna watch, but uh, he's gonna do stop motion dancing with that Terminator. <laughs> oh my god. Oh and I, he God, sent me pictures of the wait. actual model. It's so cool. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty freaking exciting, man. I'm I'm just stoked to be working on something so fun, you know. Cool. All well, right. congratulations. I'm excited to talk to you about it next in our next episode. Like, I want I want to hear how it went, and um, I'm of course really excited to see it. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked too. And you know, if it's okay with everybody, I'm gonna <clears throat> take some photos and behind the scenes videos and whatnot and share them on social media. So, uh, stay tuned if you are interested. time to record today so we probably move on to uh our our next uh, piece of news well it's not really news we talked about it last week and uh it's also not news if you can count so we are five count them five episodes away from episode 200 and we have been doing really well with our release schedule i'm sure our listeners appreciate that every week coming at you uh, that was my hands slapping together in case you heard that. So that means we are five episodes away from episode 200, which will be coming, let's see, five weeks from now. I'm, I'm bad at math, too. Um, so it's going to air the first week of June or second week of June, but... Uh, July. July. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. First week or second week of July. Uh, I think July 7th is the Tuesday. We'll We'll put it out. But we will be actually recording and having a big event, and we can now announce some more of the details. So um, the first thing is that we are actually going to be part- partnering with the Los Angeles uh, tweet-up, the a- LA Actors tweet-up. Um, they are going to be our partner, so we're actually going to have a tweet-up and episode 200 on the same night. Uh, location for the tweet-up is still TBD. But they're going to be on the same night, and of course, everyone is invited to both events. So it's going to be sort of like a joint event. We're looking at probably uh, June 29th or July 1st for the actual recording itself. And it's going to be just a big party. And our guest, I'm going to save. So this is another teaser. So we'll, we'll come back to who our, our big uh, guests are going to be. But it is going to be epic yeah epic dude. night it's it's um, it's pretty pretty far along in these sort of confirmation stages and the guests plural are um pretty exciting so bring your questions everybody it's gonna be great epic anyway just wanted to get that out there you know make sure that people are marking it down in their calendars i know people are gonna be driving down from the bay or or flying out from new york or Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Either way, this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. You uh, you want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character, and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. It's called Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. So we have a a great question from a listener named Travis. 
Travis, 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 um, <laughs> who, who wrote not, to us and not Derek, Derek, Derek. Yeah. So, so well, I guess we just just talk about this real fast. So his name is Travis Derek, but his his last name Derek is spelled differently. And I I had some sort of things going on in my life with a guy named Derek. And uh, when I responded to this, I responded and I said, "Hey, Derek," and I basically <laughs> called him Derek the entire email and then aj pointed it out and i was like oh you know forehead slap um so sorry about that travis 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 um but thank you for the question it's a it's a good one and it's one of these like actor empowerment questions that i always like really love to sort of chat about on this show because so much of what what we are about here is you know making sure that every actor understands and really gets to experience and live and in the the place you know come from the place of like hey it's up to me i get to make this happen and it's going to be awesome like there's no better feeling in the world than knowing that something's up to you i think uh so travis says that he's been a listener since uh like episode 100 so a nice long time now says he really enjoys it thank you very much travis he lives in vancouver right now he's currently pursuing his career out there and uh, he says, you know, when he's got a few more decent, quote-unquote, decent credits on his resume, he's going to move to L.A. And, and take the next step. He said he's heard that it's particularly hard for Canadians to get work in L.A. unless they have some good experience because it's difficult to convince productions to invest in hooking foreigners, I guess, uh, up with visas, you know, working visas and whatnot, unless they think mm. that this actor is the perfect and only fit for the role and that there aren't any American actors who can do the same job. So that's that's a whole issue unto itself. His real question here, though, is uh, that he was talking to a friend about being 24 years old, not really having many professional acting credits yet, but, you know, looking to move to L.A. in a few years, probably, you know, late 20s-ish. And his friend said that it's nearly impossible or it will be nearly impossible for him to get work or auditions in L.A. as a no-name actor once he's older than 25. He says that she may be right that it can be difficult for women when they get a little bit older, but as a man, he feels like he has plenty of time to develop his craft and career and doesn't have to worry about age as much as women do. Sad sort of fact about the industry, but sometimes that's true. Uh, But overall, he says, quote, he feels like his uh, friend's statement is... I'll quote this part, full of shit. So uh, even though, uh, you know, he understands that youth is an asset, that's something we've talked about from the very beginning. If you're young and beautiful, get your ass to L.A. and capitalize on that. But no, it's not a necessity, uh, and it is sort of regardless of gender. So he wants to know what we think. Uh, And I kind of love this question um, because I think his friend is full of shit. I think it's a very, um, you know, I responded and I said, uh, you know, life is a see what you believe arrangement, not the other way around. And I think a lot of us think that it works the other way around, that we be- that we uh, believe what we see. Like, like I see that car is red, and so it must be a red car. But actually, it's me believing that the world behaves a certain way, that the world is full of red cars, and that I will see way more red cars than I would have otherwise because my brain is tuned to that belief. I will create the truth of my beliefs everywhere I go in the world. And that's the way it is. I hope I under- explain that sort of succinctly. But uh, I think that, that there's a big element of that here. If you believe that it's going to be difficult to get auditions, to get work, to be seen, to be uh, regarded as a professional when you're a little bit older and you're in a new market, if you believe it's going to be difficult, 
your subconscious, which is a 92% of your sort of world creating 92%, there's science to back this up, 92% of your of your actions, of your words, of your tone, like everything, 90% of you is run by your subconscious. And so if that 92% believes it's going to be difficult, guess what you're going to create? Hmm. A lot of difficulty. However, if you do the work and you believe, you know what? My age doesn't matter. My gender doesn't matter. My looks don't matter. My resume doesn't matter. What matters is my attitude and my work ethic. Guess what? It's going to be a hell of a lot easier. I didn't write all that in the email, but that was sort of the, the, the gist of what I just wanted to kind of get out there right off the bat. So, so yeah, Travis, I agree. Your friend's full of shit, and I think that you can make anything happen that you want to. There are things in this industry that are going to be easier based on certain phases of your life that you're in, but, but um, it's all just, you know, they're all just rackets. It's all just bullshit that we tell ourselves to, to, to keep ourselves in our comfort zones. Um, that was a little bit of a sermon right there, but you know what I mean? You know what I mean, Boom. AJ? Mic drop. I do what you mean. Uh, I do know what you mean. What, what, what saith you, AJ? What saith me? Well, following following Trevor's sermon, AJ Meyer comes down from on high. Uh, no, I... I sorry, you, you can't use, like, biblical language and have me not turn into... <laughs> uh, I, uh, I would say, okay, so full of shit, mm, I'm going to play devil's advocate just one little iota because it's in the news and I think it's important. Maybe 98% full of shit, 2% has a point. Um, and, and here's what I mean. I agree with everything that you said, Trevor, and then some, like 1 million percent. I also know that we have situations like what happened this week, this past week with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, what happened? Where, I didn't hear about this. Oh, okay. So she was told she's what, 35? I can't remember. She's like, I think she's like 35. And she was told that she's too old to play the love interest of a 55-plus-year-old actor in an upcoming feature film. What? She was, like, p- like pissed. like, And she she didn't, like, write some scathing, whatever. She just came out and said, like, this is ridiculous. Like, are you, are you kidding me? And and I agree with her. So I think that there are some... I think, I think the thing is that there are some terrible, visionless people that are decision-makers in the industry, right? I think that that is the case. I don't think there are a lot of them, but I think there are a a, a, a decent amount of visionless people who who make decisions. That being said, <clears throat> I would never, ever, ever, based on anything, the way that you look, the way that you, uh, how old you are, your race, whatever, I would never say that that is going to eliminate you from being a successful working actor. Period. You can make a name for yourself. You can work. You can get work. You can be on. T- I mean, there's no better time in the history of television for for you know multi ethnic for women too. Uh, it, it's it's the the this sort of movement toward having entertainment actually reflect the diversity of our culture is just taking strides all the time moving forward. And I think that of all of the potential demographic measurements, age is probably the one that is the 
the the least of an obstacle of, of all of them. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I just want to play devil's advocate on that one point because you can't. One of the things that you can't do is necessarily control these other people's bad, you know, decisions and 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 being, like I said, visionless. But we can always control what we bring to the table and how we view it and how we look at it. And if we look at it as though, like you said, Trevor, everyone is thinking that way. Everyone is thinking that if I am a male or female actor over the age of 25, it's going to be really difficult. <laughs> then it, it, you're setting yourself for up for it's going to be really difficult. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, the, exactly. Like it, it is only that way because enough people agree that that's the truth. Like right. that, it, that that is something that bakes my noodle every time I sort of think about it. Like think about like street lights, for instance, <clears throat> red on top, green on bottom, yellow in the middle. Right. Street lights are that way because enough people said, yeah, that's the way it should be. But in Europe, they're like sideways sometimes. And I think that sometimes they're like the colors <clears throat> are reversed. And to us, that's weird. And why would anybody do that? But that's because over there, enough people agreed that it should be that way. So it's like all it takes is a sort of tipping point of people believing things should be a certain way, and then they are a certain way. And so it really is up to us. Right, which um, is why I love the work of, like, Gina Davis and yeah. and what Helena, Helena Santos is doing with Ms. and the Biz. Like, <clears throat> you know, Gina Davis, her, her foundation did this ex- exhaustive multi-year study. Uh, I think I talked about it on the podcast a long time ago about women in the industry and their lack of representation. And, you know, she, it was so brilliant because she didn't get upset. She was just like, these are facts. And here are some things that we can do to, to change it. And she went back to like the script writers and said, all you have to do is change the gender of a character from male to female, you know, when it doesn't matter. Hmm. If it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. Just change the, just change the, the gender and, and start to, like like you said, Trev, change enough people's minds so that we no longer, you know, are of the mindset that that particular role can only be filled by uh, a man or a young person for right. that matter right. or a white person for that matter. Yeah. It's all so, just the it's all just the cultural stories that we've been conditioned to believe are appropriate, you know, quote unquote appropriate and and that, you know, and the the other kind of sorry fact of this industry is that it all comes down to money and people are scared shitless of flopping a job and then never working again, whether they're on the production side or in front of the camera, behind the camera, whatever it is. And so I'm going to just sort of wrap my arms around your devil's advocacy thing, AJ, because you're, you're totally right. Like, yeah, like Travis, your, your friend is mostly full of shit, but not a hundred percent because there is that sort of element at play. But that is the element that we get to sort of dance with and say, are you sure about this? Are you sure about this? Are you sure about this? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, actually, that's perfect, Trevor. As opposed to letting th- those kinds of people or that kind of viewpoint defeat you, it should empower you, bringing it back full circle to the first thing you said. It should empower you like, great. Okay, awesome. So that's, that's what you believe, uh, that, that, that that's where your money should be spent. Awesome. So let, how can I work in that structure? What, you know, what can I do? How can I, okay, I won't work with you. I'm going to go work with these other people. I'm going to, as opposed to being like, oh, I'm not going to move to LA after I turn 25 because it just won't work. 
Right, right, right. It's like you. It's like you. It's like you've stopped yourself before you started. Yeah, it's a dance, and and this industry is chock full of people who have defied the quote unquote rules over and over and over again. You know, it happens all the time, and we just kind of look at them and say, "Oh, like, oh, isn't that kind of cool that that person made it work?" But for the rest of us, we're screwed. You know, it's, <laughs> it's and it's funny because we. I, I don't know, man. This industry is a, a real head trip sometimes. So, uh, long story short, Travis, uh, get your butt out. Get you know, get your work. Get out here when you feel confident, and then um, don't let anybody give you shit because it's up to you. And and with people like you on the ground, um, we get much and much closer to a sort of more enlightened industry and um, and culture. Is that a wow. good summary of what we just kind of said? Yes. <laughs> Amen, brother. Let's roll okay. into the interview. All right. Thank you, Travis. Travis, Travis, not Derek. Thank you, Travis. I keep looking at the email response I had here in the outline, and it says, hey, Derek. And I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I, should, I should write him and be like, sorry, dude. Oh, man. Well, he'll listen to the episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so into part three, the third and final part of my chat with uh, Mr. Doug Jones, the one and only, definitely uh, one of my favorite interviews ever. So enjoy, and we'll catch you on the other side. Mind you, I, I've been asked many times over the years. Did you ever? Did you ever? Have you ever? You know, uh, been incensed or insulted about being pigeonholed as the physical guy? Uh, absolutely not. Get pigeonholed. If someone wants to pigeonhole you, that's a that's a glorious place to be, and that means you're good at something. So let them be. Let them tell you you're good at something. So um, where I came out to LA, think with designs on being. I wanted to be Barney Fife. I wanted to be that sitcom funny guy or that guy that was in the Carol Burnett show. Or, you know, I wanted to be like uh, uh, one who made people laugh and sang and danced and whatnot and made merriment. This career under makeups and, and, and monster suits was not, I didn't know that was a career option. That wasn't, that wasn't on, my, on my bucket mm-hmm. list at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it, it, it blindsided me, took me by surprise, but I thought I'm going to go on the ride. I'm going to keep just always say yes. Uh, say yes until until something really really smacks you with a no so i just kept saying yes to this and uh and i ended up through the mac tonight campaign again what would happen is a lot of uh, because steve neal worked his creature shop out of his garage and was a one-man show when he had a big project to do he would borrow people from other creature shops like rick baker's or stan winston's or mm. all these oscar or uh, uh, greg canham oscar-winning makeup artists who made monsters and creatures for movies that had huge shops of their own. Well, he would borrow some people from there to, to do the commercial campaign, after which meeting me and working with me, they would go back to those big, big ass mama honkin' creature shops. And, and then they might see something come across their desk or, or a, a pitch they were doing for a movie where they had to, you know, they're, 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 the concept design for a creature is a tall, skinny alien, a tall, skinny man-animal hybrid of some sort. And wow. that, that person might say, you know, I just worked with this guy on a McDonald's commercial that you might want to call in for this. That's yeah. how the referral started for me. Uh, and that's how I got to meet all of the best makeup artists in the world. 
Uh, that's wow. how that's how it happened was because from one referral after another like that. Then I then so from commercials I made my first crossover into a, a feature film. I think it was called Dark Tower. Steve Neal again, the guy that I did the Mac Tonight commercials with. Uh, he was forming a, a, a zombie sort of makeup for a movie called Dark Tower, and uh, starring Jenny Agutter. Uh, she was the the nurse in American Werewolf in London. And uh, and many other things. She's also in Logan's Run, which is another movie from the '70s that uh, uh -huh. that was a big deal. So I got to play like somebody's dead husband who had been pushed into a, a building and was now coming back to haunt that building. So then, you know, I did end up getting a theatrical agent. Um, I mean, it, was, it seemed like every agent I've ever had is, was through a personal, you know, a referral. Somebody yeah. that I'd worked with, but, and, I, and I put the feelers out like, let them know I'm available. I don't have a, a theatrical agent. So, so my first theatrical agent was, um, oh gosh, a friend of a friend of somebody, uh, knew somebody that was just starting the coast to coast agency here in Los Angeles. Wow. They'd already had their New York office when this was their, their LA office was just opening. But then I, I went out, they sent me out on a movie audition for a, a horror film called Night Angel to play a goofy sidekick. Now this is what I was built for, remember? Hmm. <laughs> this is what I, what I was pursuing was like the, the goofy white guy who does armpit farts next to the handsome guy in a movie. <laughs> uh, so Night, uh, Night Angel was a horror film being cast and I, I went in and, and uh, read for the casting director Tedra Gabriel who was very good to me. Tedra Gabriel. Now, this is a casting director situation that, that you never want to forget. I, 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 I savor this moment. I went into this audition. I was late. I was unprepared. Oh, it was terrible. Uh, because uh, sides were available. This number, we, weren't, we didn't have email back then. This is the 80s. Uh, I had to pick up the sides at the casting office. I got the call earlier that day. It was one of those last-minute calls like, Hey, if you're free at 3 o'clock today, you got an audition. Okay, great. <laughs> no way to get the material ahead of time. You had to drive. So I live in, you know, up in the valley. I had to drive all the way down to Culver City or something. And I walked in, you know, and I was just, I was a couple minutes late for my appointment time. Oh gosh, I'm getting the sides on the spot. And casting director Tedra Gabriel came out and she's like, well, uh, you're next if you're ready. I'm like, I don't know that I'm ready. And she looked at me like, oh gosh, another one of these actors who's unprepared. So I pulled on. Uh, so what I did was I, 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 I said, yeah, if you can just give me a second, I'm going to go over there, at least read the material. Okay, 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 okay. So I let her know I was ready. She goes, you are really? That was kind of fast. I'm like, yeah, no, I think so. I think so. I just had to go, I just had to trust in my instincts. Instead of trusting in preparation, I had to trust my instincts today. Anything, any kind of improv experience any of us have ever had, sometimes it just comes into play. This is one of those days where it's like, you go in there and you be and you live and you just live the moment because every, all the nerves you're feeling and being late and being distracted. This, and thank heaven this goofy character I was auditioning for was an irresponsible goofy sidekick who was kind of like disorganized. So this was, it was a kind of a perfect vibe to be carrying into the room. Uh -huh. So uh, I go in there and the director, Dominique Othenin Girard, uh, he was a, a, a French fellow. Uh, he's tall and skinny, so we, we hit it off right away. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, so, so he takes me through a couple of, uh, we did like three scenes to play and, uh, and thank heaven it was one of those days where it just, you know, sometimes it just clicks, you know? Yeah. And, uh, even though I wasn't as familiar with the material as I wanted to be, yeah, I got it down. And, uh, anyway, I made everybody laugh in places I didn't know were funny. I made everybody cringe in places I didn't know were that scary. And it was just one of those auditions. It was just like, everything I did was perfect. And so it just felt so good. 
So I left the room. I got done. Thanks so much, Doug. You're... And Tedra Gabriel, casting director, who was not so sure about bringing me in that fast, whatever, she says to me before I leave the room, she said, you are hilarious. And then she said, and I think you're going to be a big star. She said, I'm never wrong about these things. All right. This is, this is 1987. So just two years after you got out that way. <laughs> right. Right. So to have a casting lady who wasn't quite sure about bringing me in, uh, uh, to have her end the session by saying, you're going to be a big star. I'm never wrong about these things. Uh, was something, uh, was, uh, those were words I savored and have never forgotten, obviously. Uh, so anyway, so I, I walked out of the room, said goodbye to the director, and then I, I forgot something. I had to come back into the lobby. And when I came back into the lobby from outside, Tedrick came running out of the room, out of the, the, uh, the, 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 the taping room. And, uh, and she said, she grabbed me by the arm and said, just so you know, be prepared. I think you got this. They're already talking about it in there, in the other room. So yeah. yeah so that's what wow. I, so that's how I went back to the car was thinking like, you know, having just a great day, perfect day. Yeah. As an actor, that's a good early day in your career. So I did, I did book night angel and, uh, I worked alongside Karen black, who was another, uh, uh decorated actress of, of that day and a, a, a pretty young cast of people, including Lyndon Ashby, who was, he was the, the, he was the handsome guy that I was a goofy sidekick. <laughs> Making the far noises. That's right. That's right. And Lyndon Ashby has now, he's now a series regular on Teen Wolf. He's, yeah. uh, he's the, the sheriff on the show. Who's the dad of one of the, one of the beautiful kids on the show. <laughs> They're all, and I ended up guest starring on Teen Wolf a, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. And, uh, and I saw Lyndon, Lyndon Ashby for the first time in 27 years. So it was, it was quite a nice reunion, fun, wow. fun reunion, yeah, for us. Wow. But uh, anyway, so so uh, great, great time, great memories, and um, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah, blah, blah. What, I, what I love about this too is that your work is what's getting you the the jobs. It's, it has nothing <laughs> to do with some <clears throat> relationship building tactic or some right. some hack with postcards or something <laughs> like that or some you know like right. showcase that you paid a lot of money to be a part of. Like right. no, you. You consistently did good work. You didn't right. complain. You know, you're specific. specific. Like, right. I, I just, I love that it's a, it's sort of a homegrown, <laughs> organic. Um, oh, thank you. Organically yeah. built career well, that way. Well, that's the number one question from young actors. You know, when they, when they ask a seasoned actor, what, you know, what advice would you have? And who do I need to, what's the 800 to get famous number? What is, do you have right. that phone number? Like, yeah, who do I need to talk to? Yeah. They spend so, it's, it, I think that's a mistake when people spend way too much time and effort on the, who do I need to meet? What party do I need to go to? Who do I need to rub shoulders with? Who do I need, need to buy a drink for? Who, yeah. mm. uh, that's uh, instead of be good at what you do first, first and foremost, be a good actor. If you have nothing to sell, then don't try to sell it yet. You know what I mean? So uh, be the best at whatever it is you want to do. Be the best singer, dancer, actor, be the best then find a way to do it in front of somebody who can hire you, period. Those are the two basics uh, that out there, right? Be good at what you do. Do it in front of someone who can make a difference. Ta-da! Bam, there it <laughs> right. is. Right. There it is for free. That was all free, baby. That was free. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we only have uh, a little bit of time left, but I want to talk a little yeah. bit about sort of fast-forwarding to your sort of later career because things yeah. really picked up for you. I was looking at your IMDb, and, you know, the first, you know, 20 years or so, there's a lot of work. Yeah. But I feel like it really... In the last 10 years, it's sort of like increased in the frequency. Like there's a mm -hmm. lot of, from 2010 on especially, mm -hmm. there's like 10 or 12 credits a year. 
So things have really sort of picked up for you as your yeah. as your um, especially like in in your sort of middle age now. Yeah, yeah, no. So I, I, which which is sort of antithetical to what you hear a lot in Hollywood. It is, like, it oh, is. you've got to be young and pretty. If it's, you don't make it by twenty three, you're washed up. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah, not true. Not true. So so yeah. I mean, obviously your relationships are bearing fruit. Um, you're yeah. obviously getting better at your craft every time you you work. Mm, so um, let's hope. <laughs> and and obviously you you've built. Um, a nice sort of record for yourself, a nice sort of uh, working sort of body of work. Yeah. But um, what else? I mean, what, to what do you attribute, if, if anything yeah. in addition to that, to what do you attribute the sort of, the sort of continued success? Right. Well, I think everything you said, and, and also uh, allowing myself to evolve if I need to. Um, I'm, like, it's, like you said, I'm middle age. Uh, I'm now about to, about to turn 55 this month. And, um, which is, I'm sorry, I gotta stop you. It's, you don't look that age oh, at all. Bless your soul. And I'm Child. not saying that to be nice. Like I was, when, I, when you said that earlier, I was surprised. No, I was like, that's, really? that's, you're very kind. Thank you. Uh, but what that does is that, that buys me a new category. I, I, mm. I'm not being cast for the same, that goofy sidekick part in night angel that I just, that story I just told you, I wouldn't be up for that part now. So, so, you know, you, you, we do have to evolve. We do have to reinvent ourselves constantly. Right. Mm. So the creature work moves on, and and uh, and what's nice about that is I'm, when I'm covered from head to toe in some kind of latex foam rubber or silicone product, um, uh, you know uh, I haven't gained a pound in, in in the thirty years I've been out here. So um, so those roles have stayed rather consistent uh, over the years. But 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 the roles I play as a human being, which are more plentiful now than ever before, uh, uh, I do have to evolve and change. Um, and, and like you said, the last 10 years, is after the first Hellboy movie, yeah. uh, and that kind of put me as a speck on the radar, finally, uh, the celebrity radar. I was working consistently for all those years before that um, with an insider track, the insiders knowing who I was and how to call me and, and the referral thing. But the first Hellboy movie came about because I answered one of those creature effects referral calls back in 1997 for the movie Mimic. Directed mm-hmm. by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Now, Guillermo del Toro was unknown back then in the States. That was his first feature film in America with a big budget. Uh, he had done some, a lot of his work in, in, uh, in the Latin countries. He's from Mexico. Uh, so he'd done a lot of television, and, and he'd done a feature film down there called Kronos. Uh, uh, that, uh, that, so his resume was, was very, very Latin uh, by that time. So this was his first American studio movie. Uh, and I, I was called in to do some reshoots for, uh, through the creature effects team as one of their big long John bug guys that took overtook the subways of New York. That's how I met Guillermo del Toro was just on the three days that I worked on that. Wow. Five years after that, um, the creature effects team is, is, is designing Abe Sapien for the Hellboy movies, uh, at the spectral motion shop. I knew everybody there. I'd worked with all of them by this time. This is 2002. Uh, uh, and, um, so the director of the Hellboy was coming in to approve uh, a maquette, a sculpture uh, uh, that was being designed uh, for the Abe Sapien character. Uh, and so, uh, so legend has it that Guillermo del Toro walked into the, to the, to the creature effects they, uh, shop. They unveiled this statue of what the design would be for Abe Sapien, the blue fish guy. He fell to his knees in front of this, this in a very dramatic show of, of his appreciation. And he said, Oh, I am so fat. And I think what he meant, by, <laughs> what he meant by that was what a beautiful thin creature. All the, uh-huh. and the creature effects team that had, that was working on this said, you know, who the perfect guy to play this is Doug Jones. Guillermo del Toro said, Doug Jones, I know Doug Jones. And he pulled out of his wallet, the 
the business card I gave him five years earlier. Wow. Yeah. On the set of Mimic. On the set of Mimic, exactly. And had you been in touch with him since? Nope, we had not been in touch all so that time. So he had been carrying that card around, just waiting mm-hmm. for the perfect thing. And here it was. And yeah. look at that, in his wallet. Right, right. Isn't that crazy? That's, that is crazy. Yeah, crazy great story. <laughs> so so the Hellboy movie was what really cemented our relationship as actor-director, and we really got each other and, and uh, got along very well and, and developed a shorthand between director and actor. Mm. And this this was that advice I got earlier, was like, you know, you're, you're, the, the, the success of your career lies in your relationship with directors. This is absolutely the truth. Uh, I have now, to date, done five feature films with Guillermo del Toro, uh, and also his TV series, The Strain. I'm a recurring uh, character on that, mm-hmm. one of the ancient vampires on that. So, uh, and I, we can lift, list all the credits to, to be looking for soon here. I got a lot, bunch of stuff coming out soon. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, but, um, but, and to, you know, a lot of that, two of those things are, are Guillermo del Toro projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a relationship that just has moved on and on. Um, so, Hellboy, Hell, he came back for me for Pan's Labyrinth, yeah. where he wanted me to play the fawn and the pale man, the guy with the eyeballs in his uh-huh. hands. Um, I got an email from him when he was prepping that movie in Spain saying, Doug, I'm working on this movie in Spain. He types like that in that, in that voice. Uh, you know, working on he uses m- that special font. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The gravelly font. Right. Uh, uh, and he's, he's like, you know, working, he was prepping this movie in Spain and, and uh, it's called Pan's Labyrinth. There's a fawn character. Nobody can play the fawn but you, is what he said. And I was like very intimidated by that. So that was a, you know, I could talk about Pan's Labyrinth for another hour unto itself, but mm. uh, it was a magical ride I went on with that movie. Yeah. I had to learn uh, my dialogue as the fawn in Spanish, a language I do mm-hmm. not speak. And I was wearing a five hour makeup application. So you want to talk about working your ass off? Uh, th- yeah. Th- and, that was yeah, okay. And by all accounts, you learned the Spanish really, really well. I did my best. I, I guess I think they yes. dubbed it over they, they did the, at the they, end. In the end, they it, did. But, I, but I, I didn't want to leave him with my lips. Because he said at, at some point, when I told him, I got the wrong guy for this, I don't speak Spanish, I'm going to ruin your movie. He's like, no, no. He said, uh, uh, you can count to 10 for all I care. I'll dub it over later. Just give me the right moments. Like oh, that's very sweet of him to think that I could find the right moments while counting to ten, <laughs> but but I knew that I couldn't leave my co-stars with uh, listening to me go one two three four five six seven eight nine ten. Uh, you know I I, I had to uh, so uh, so uh, especially my, co- my the co-star that I played all my scenes with was little little Ophelia mm-hmm, played yeah. by Ivana Baccaro, and uh, she was. 11 or 12 while we were filming and uh, and you know I she needed to hear the words and react to the right thing and so I, I buckled down and learned the learned the freaking Spanish you know what I'm saying that's so awesome so uh, uh, so they and then the, what they had was proper lip sync to dub over it with the right accent and the right sound later so right. uh, so that was that was one instance of voice dubbing that I didn't I didn't mind because it was not my my native tongue uh, so uh, yeah, we, so we went on a magical ride with that, and ended up that was my first invitation to the Oscars uh, because I was the only American actor in the film that spoke English as a first language. So I did all the press in the states when it opened here. Wow, that turned a page for me. That took me from being creature weird guy in movies. We're not, we don't know what to call him. Is he a stuntman? Is he a mime? Is he what is he? Pan's Labyrinth defined me as an actor, a movie star, and 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 allowed me uh, a, a chance to be interviewed by major press. Uh, for the like for the first time really ever so uh so so when you're at the oscars and you're being interviewed by joan rivers on the red carpet you realize your life has changed a little bit yeah uh, yeah and, and this, that that was in the middle of a good run um 
after Pan's Labyrinth came out, the Silver Surfer came out next. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, which I got to play the Silver Surfer in the Fantastic Four sequel. And Lawrence Fishburne lent his voice for that, right? Well, you know, that was another one of those surprise things where, yes, they got a bigger name to voice over me. And, uh, and so anyway, that was the last time that ever happened. I, uh, I, I now... And my contracts protect me from that happening again. Wow. Oh, because, so you weren't, that was not in the plan. No, it was not in the plan. You weren't, uh, that was not in the plan. You were not thrilled about that? It wasn't in my plan. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, there's like, again, I, that's another hour long story. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that uh, we don't have time for today, but, um, uh, but no, I, I, all in all a good experience and playing a Marvel character that, uh, that was so graceful and so beautiful and, and Stan Lee or yeah, Stan Lee who created Marvel comics. Uh, he he would tell you that the Silver Surfer is his favorite character he ever created because mm. uh, he was able to wax poetic through him about the human condition and and uh, through an alien's eyes and and uh, so I I, I love taking on that character um, and I did I did do a great job with the voice before I was voiced yeah. over you know love Lawrence Fishburne he's a wonderful actor but but. I I don't think any actor wants to see part of their performance uh, disappear and be replaced. Well, and that that you actually know? yeah, and uh, from what I've read um in Hellboy, mm-hmm. <clears throat> maybe it was the first, maybe it was the second one only, I don't know, but I guess David Hyde Pierce did the voiceover for 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 he Abe voiced Sapien. Over Abe Sapien in Hellboy 1, and but, then I got the voice for back to myself for Hellboy 2. Right, okay. Yeah. So I knew it was one of them, and mm-hmm. from what I've heard, uh he refused to take credit. Yes for doing the voice because he felt that that character was 100% your creation. Yeah. yeah, Right. He, which uh, is a pretty uh, generous move. That's outrageous. That's a very selfless and something most actors would never do. He's really an actor's actor. I've met him before. He's a wonderful guy. I still have yet to meet him because when I do, I'm going to kiss his cheek and say, thank you so much for that moment you gave me because, uh, because um, the, the studio hired him to voice over me for help. The first Hellboy because again, better name recognition he was at the height of 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 Frasier at the time in its final season at the height of his fame and they just wanted a a a name that they could because I asked when I was told that I was being voiced over Guillermo del Toro was was very sweet to call me uh up and tell me what was what had happened um before it came out in the press uh and um that David Hyde Pierce would be voicing and I asked him, "Was it? Let me learn from this. Was it a performance issue? Is there something I can do better next time?" He goes, "Nope, you were perfect, and I loved your voice, and the studio loved your voice, but it was something we'd talk. There's something they, that they had talked about before I was ever cast. Was, oh, okay. was and I knew that I did know that going in. I, so I did have a bit of a precursor for that one, a, a little warning ahead of time. So I knew, I knew while I was doing the job on the first Hellboy movie that I, that that I, I felt like I was auditioning every day to keep my voice, which I did mm. not, mm. but." At that time, I was still an unknown, and uh, and and the familiar sound of David Hyde Pierce and his name were enough to make the studio go, yeah, that's it. that's the plan we talked about. So let's go with that. That that'll yeah, that'll right. sell more tickets. Right. So David Hyde Pierce declining to take credit uh, in the movie, like uh, he's on IMDb as voice of for Hellboy One, but he if you watch the movie, he's not in the rolling credits. He's not in the in the main titles at all. And I wonder was, if that pissed some studio people off. I'll bet you a dollar it did because that's what they, that's what they were hoping to pay for and, and get a benefit yeah. from. He also refused to do any interviews or press. He didn't show up at the red carpet premiere. Nothing because when asked later why why did you decline all that, he said it was out of respect to Doug Jones. That that was the sweetest thing in the world ever. And and that also helped secure uh, Guillermo's... And Guillermo del Toro himself said that if we get a chance to do a Hellboy 2, I want you to keep your voice for that. So that helped ensure that was that David Hyde Pierce is backing out like he did. Wow. And and also then they they did two animated movies between Hellboy 1 and 2, Hellboy Sword of Storms and Hellboy Blood and Iron. And that was just voice only, right, for these animated movies. 
and they actually extended the offer to David Hyde Pierce first because he was the established voice. Um, David, bless his heart, politely declined. And then they came to me and just offered me that. So, so the animated movies between Hellboy 1 and 2 were kind of a buffer period of let's introduce Doug's voice and see if the fans respond. And they did with great, oh, good heavens. They, they, they were so sweet to um, all the comments and, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, internet chatter that was happening over that. Those mm-hmm. animated movies were not sure why he was dubbed over in the first place. So I love his voice. Oh, my gosh. And, and I wasn't that far off from David Hyde Pierce. We don't sound that much different as it is. So, mm-hmm. so uh, especially when we're both affecting the, the Abe Sapien character. Right. So, right. Uh, so it was uh, it was very very sweet that, uh, and so by the time Hellboy two came around, it was just a no brainer that I would I would continue doing the entire performance, both visually and audibly. And there's a rumor of a Hellboy three. Well, that's also on IMDb now. If you look at all the red marks there, uh-huh. uh, it is only rumored. Uh, there's yeah. nothing official being spoken about uh, that I. Know. We all want to come back and do it. Guillermo del Toro wants to come back and direct another. Uh, he's and, and he wrote he has a storyline to to finish up a trilogy. <laughs> in mind he's uh ron perlman wants to come back and do it selma blair wants to come back and do it. i want to come back and do it but uh so if everybody creatively involved wants to come back and do it but it's not being done it's usually a money issue or mm-hmm. a studio issue. so I'm, I'm not a spokesman for all that so i don't have a clue what's going on on that end of it but uh, but we sure would love to i, I can't imagine it wouldn't happen at some point because it's superheroes like they're they're making every superhero movie ever now I know. you know, I know it's like so why wouldn't they finish the hellboy trilogy i know oh so. your lips to god's ears <laughs> you know what i'm saying let's hope so but, so, so on, on that note what what is coming up so for what's you? coming up right uh uh well i i, I have a very uh, the last few years of, of my career have been very tv heavy uh yeah. we've mentioned all these feature films but um uh, I uh, I just finished filming my third season of Falling Skies, which was actually season five of the show. I was introduced in the show in season three. Falling Skies uh, is a summer show uh, on TNT, and it's an alien hostile takeover of Earth. It's sort of like The Walking Dead, only with aliens. Awesome. Uh, starring Noel Wiley from you know ER fame, of course. And yeah. Uh, um, anyway. Uh, uh, so I'm I'm a I'm a I play a good alien on the show. I landed at the at the at the end of season two in their cliffhanger, uh, uh, and I'm an alien who has come to Earth to help the humans fight off the bad aliens who have taken over. So I'm 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 the leader of the Volm race, and my name is Cochise, and uh, so uh, so season five of the show starts airing June 28th on TNT Sunday nights at 10. Awesome uh, throughout the summer. And this will be our final season. We knew that going in, so the writers could bring us to a rousing close. So sometime in late August, you'll be seeing our finale, finale, finale. And you'll see how this, uh, if you're a fan of the show, uh, all your questions will be answered about why the takeover happened in the first place and how we are going to battle that. Okay. So that's, uh, that's this summer. Also this summer, uh, uh, The Strain will come back on the air on the FX channel starting awesome. in mid-July. I will be in the season opener of that as my ancient vampire character again. I'm playing two characters in the season opener. One is in the opening sequence, which is a flashback. So the very first thing you're going to see in, in season two is this flashback scene um, uh, that will tell you how the master became the master. And I might be involved in that in the flashback somehow. I might be a part of that equation. I don't want to give it all away. All right. Hey, and then I'll also be reprising my, my um, the leader of the ancient vampires uh, uh, in the... Um, later in, the, in that show, in that episode. And then I'll come back for episode six later in the season as well. Awesome. Um, there's that. And then just, just last night, 
upon recording this podcast right now, just last night, my my uh, uh, my character, uh, I made another appearance uh, as Death Bolt, a DC Comics yeah, character. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, Jake Simmons, aka Death Bolt, uh, is a DC Comics villain from the '80s that uh, they uh, that they brought into Arrow, and then mm-hmm. last night I crossed over and did an episode of The Flash. Right. So yeah. um, it looked like at the end of the episode, it looked like I might have met my death. We're not sure. I was I was shot with with uh, Captain Cold's um, uh, freezer gun. So uh, will I live through it or not? Will I make a reappearance? We don't know. Stay yet. tuned. We don't know yet. Exactly. Exactly. So, but but it's been yeah. great fun to play in that in that uh, CW channel world of of mm-hmm. the DC Comics Arrow and uh, and the Flash. Um, and also then Guillermo, del, speaking of Guillermo del Toro, and of course the strain is his TV show mm-hmm. uh, that he con- conceived of off, of off of his book that he co-wrote with uh, Chuck Hogan called The Strain. It was a trilogy of books that series I was off of. And in addition to that show, uh, our next thing coming up uh, is Crimson Peak. It is a haunted house kind of feature film that comes out in theaters October 16th. And uh, I've already filmed my bits, and I'm done. And that uh, it, it, the trailer's out there on the Webernet already. So if you go to YouTube and type in Crimson Peak trailer, you will see uh, I'll be showing up a couple times in that trailer. Oh, as cool. A, a couple of ghost characters. Yeah, I can finally tell you I'm a ghost because it's in the trailer finally. Uh, but before the trailer came out, I was telling Guillermo, you know, I'm going to be doing an awful lot of press for, you know, other stuff. And Crimson Peak is going to come up, and people are going to ask what I did in the movie. What can I tell them? And Guillermo said in, in, in his lovely voice again, Well, uh, <laughs> tell them it's a haunted house story, and what the F do they think you played? <laughs> so, there you, so there you go. There you wow. Go. So, uh, I'll leave. I love Guillermo. Though. What are you calling for short, by the way? Uh, do you say Guillermo every time? I say Guillermo every time. Every time? Uh, yeah, yeah, some people call him GDT. That's uh, okay. his, uh, Guillermo del Toro, GDT. Uh, but I, yeah, I just call him. Gamer. Okay. He call, well, he calls me dog or or fish stick or uh, uh, or cojones. Yeah, yeah. He's called wow. me cojones. Wow. Um. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Bless his heart. Wow. Last name being Jones, and in in the, in the Spanish language, that would be jones. Oh, so, gotcha. So that's where cojones I comes see. from. Yeah. I was kind of wondering. I didn't want to ask. But yeah, I was like, yeah, All right. yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have a great set of balls. I, <laughs> there I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Woo. All right. I'm going to get that visual out of my head. I know. So okay. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's, I think that's what I want to leave you with. Yeah. Oh, I'm so right. sorry. We had a great, <laughs> we had a great chat before this. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Uh, moving yeah. on. Um, yeah. You know, you, you know I, what you were saying before the two, uh, uh, the, the acting character, the acting uh, roles, as a human being have been more plentiful in the last few years, largely yeah. because, uh, largely because I allowed that niche to form. Uh, you know, when people say, don't you worry that you're being pigeonholed? Uh, no. Then uh, uh, this is, this is the same kind of pigeonhole that, that like a, a like Raquel Welch fell into or, or, um, or the, the beautiful people that are like, or Brad Pitt, when he was introduced in Thelma and Louise, he's the guy with the great abs, right? And he, every interview that he did was like, your abs are fabulous. Spend a lot of time in the gym. Like, that's not what he wanted to talk about. <laughs> right. But he went with it for a while. And, and then what you can do is once you get known for that niche or known for anything, then people, uh, uh, filmmakers will, will approach you about breaking out of your niche. And, mm. and they want to be the director that puts you in something that's different for you. 
So um, that started happening more and more and more on the indie level, especially a lot of indie film directors. And I do indies all the time. Yeah. Done tons of them. Uh, and some of them hit. Uh, some of them have a great DVD release or end up having a lot of TV airplay or whatever. So then, then people see you as, oh, that's Doug Jones's face. That's him working, playing like a scientist or a doctor or a lawyer, or a detective. I've played all of them. Uh, uh, so and then a lot of a lot of TV guest starring will come out of that. And then the Teen Wolf that I did, I played a, a crazy guy who came to town. I did a couple of Criminal Minds episodes. One as a as a meth junkie from Tennessee, and one as a Fight Club captain from Arizona. Awesome. So yeah, no, very. Uh, um, no, the the humans I've been able to play have been wide and varied, um, and because people have been taking a chance on this tall, skinny, goofy guy's look uh, yeah. in real life. So the more, the more I say yes, just say yes to it and uh, say yes until it feels wrong. And, um, and so I've been able to broaden my resume quite a bit uh, by, by saying yes to and taking a chance on a young director that, that may not be established. But I like the short film he did before. I like his pitch. The coffee date will tell me a lot about a director. Um, uh, he'll, he'll speak of his vision or he won't and I'll, I'll understand it or I won't and we'll, we'll hit it off or we, or we won't. Wow. Uh, the coffee date will tell you all that. And, and the script you're reading too. Analy- learning to analyze a script and knowing if it's mm-hmm. a turkey, a turd, or, or, a, or a nugget of gold is key for an actor. You have to be able to read and absorb and assess if this is going to be a hit or not. You know? Okay, so ex- turkey, turd, nugget of gold. Explain turkey. <laughs> well, uh, a turkey, a, a quirky movie that, uh, that, it, that tries but doesn't really... They're, they're, they're missing their pacing and their moments. Okay. And they're, they're gotcha. writing, the writing's not all there. A gotcha. turd is just a piece of crap that has zero business being published or put out <laughs> anywhere, but the, guy, but the producer has enough money to make it happen and wants to put his wife in the leading role. Right. That's a turd. Right. And I've, oh, I've done them. Uh, and then you've got the nugget of gold, which yeah. is, you know, which is when you read the script for Pan's Labyrinth and you wipe tears away at the end saying, oh my gosh, I have to be in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So we have two questions we like to wrap up all our interviews with. Okay. And they me. always get cool answers. So I'm excited okay. to ask these of you. So the first one is, I almost, I'm really actually curious here what you're going to, what you're going to respond with. Do you mm. feel like this career path chose you or do you feel like you chose it? Oh, right. Oh, um, no, it absolutely chose me. It yeah, chose you. Absolutely did. Yeah. Wow. Like I said, uh, uh, you know, and I, I think, and you, you um, of course, literally nothing, it's hard to make that literal answer. Nothing knocked at my door and said, uh, it's your acting career. We're yeah. choosing you. It's time uh, now. Yeah. 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 Right. That, that doesn't happen literally, but, uh, but in your heart of hearts, you are, if you are just, if you're gifted in some area and someone and people come along and say, oh my gosh, you're gifted. We want to use that. We want to capitalize on that and help you capitalize on that. Some folks uh, choose an acting career and go out there and hit the pavement and campaign heavily for themselves and, and, and work to get in the doors and meet people and do that thing we were talking about. Um, they're the ones choosing the acting career and, uh, uh, and, and sometimes that'll hit and work too. Absolutely. There's, you know, there's many paths, uh, that, that lead to Rome, you know, so many, many roads. So, uh, but, but for me, uh, I have never hit the pavement and campaigned heavily for myself. I've, I've answered the phone a lot. I, I don't know how to make phone calls, but I certainly answer them. And, uh, and I, I think what I've become, what I've gotten good at maybe, uh, is, is not, is not reaching out and, and campaigning for myself, but I've gotten good at analyzing what a good, de- what, what a good decision might be for me. 
I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get the call and I'll say yes to the right projects. Uh, I've said, I've said no to some bad ones, of course, like I've done some turkeys and turds. Yes. But, but, uh, but I, uh, I think I, I have been very blessed to, to say yes to the, uh, a lot of nuggets of gold that have, that have, mm. have kept pushing me forward and along. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. And the second question is if you could take, uh, mm. all your experience, mm-hmm. all your sort of missteps and all mm-hmm. your victories mm-hmm. and kind of condense them down into one nugget of advice to pass on to somebody to be the, uh, what was, mm-hmm. was his name? Amara Asami? Or, uh, oh, Armand, or, Armand Sarami. Sarami. Yes. If you could, be, what would that one nugget of advice be from your Armand Sarami, Sarami <laughs> self <laughs> to, to an actor walking, uh, you know, this, this journey, um, right. sort of behind you. Right. right, right. Um, uh, simply trust your instincts. If it, if, if whatever it is you're doing feels right to you, it's probably playing right out, out loud. Probably. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then what we said before is something I will re- reiterate is be good at that thing. Mm-hmm. Be really good at that thing and whatever, whatever gets you there. If you're a class taker, if you're a life liver, if you're, you know, whatever, whatever gets you to the place where you can get in touch with your, have access to your emotional self, have access to your intellectual self in a way that you can tap into it and portray characters. Let, let a character into your heart and let him play through you. Let, let your body be an instrument to be played by whatever character you're inviting in. If you can do that whatever it takes to get there. If it's class, if it's just living or if it's just feeling and if it's, if it's going to a funeral and crying, whatever it is that gets you there, uh, be good at that. Let, mm. let it happen and be good at that. And then find a way to do it in front of somebody who can hire you or help you, whether that's in, in front of agents or, or, or directors or whatever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We really got to write that book. We got to write the book. We got to write the <laughs> yeah. book. Yeah. 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 Um, this is great. Doug, thank you so much for taking the time. I talked to, way to too come long. And if you need to edit this down, you do that. <laughs> it was, it was all gold. It was so, it was so great to sit across from you. Now, if, if people want to find out more about you, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you've got a, a website, which I think is the Doug Jones experience. The Doug Jones experience.com needs some updating. Uh, it's, okay. it's been, it's been dormant for a minute. Uh, so it's not, it's not current. It's current ish, but not, not enough. Uh, okay. and, but but you can also find me all over the social medias. So I'm, Twitter's, uh, Instagrams, yes, at actor Doug Jones. Yeah, okay, at, actor Doug Jones on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, uh, and uh, on Facebook. If you do a Doug Jones search, I'm the one with the verified blue badge. Uh, I that that would be my like page. I put the same post that I do on my personal page. My, you know, Facebook they cut you off at five thousand friends. So I can't add any more friends. Really? So yeah, they cut me off. So. I'm, I'm yeah, full of bullshit, so I can't. I can't choose friend. You on Facebook. cannot friend request me on Facebook, unfortunately. But, with that? but but there's a follow button on my personal page. So okay. whichever one you find first, hit the follow button or the like button, and we'll be connected somehow. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Right okay. on. All right. So lots of ways to connect with you. Okay. There are. There are. Yeah, Very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come out here. I know oh, it was a little you. bit of a trek for you today. And, eh, um, I can't wait to get this out to the world and, and share it with the community. Yay! Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome back to the bookends. Um, bye, Doug. <laughs> so bye, sad. Doug. I mean, I'm sure, you know, maybe we'll have him back on someday when he's, um, you know, about to kick off some new giant project because he probably will. Um, he's had such a storied career, and what a crazy, what a crazy sort of full circle. I'm just glad it happened. So happy that we got to to have him on. Indeedly do. <laughs> 
What, what is That's your, a first. Uh, what, what, you know, I'm looking at your picks of the week, and they look familiar. Uh, oh, so tell us don't, about this. don't give me a hard time. <laughs> so I got totally sucked into a couple of listener picks this week. I apologize for recycling here, but uh, Grace Gordon, her pick of the week was that book, Station Eleven which is fantastic. I started it like a couple days after that we recorded that episode and it's really, really good. And then, uh, who was it? Uh, Jamie uh, from Australia sent in Supermensch and I watched that, I think it's on HBO Now or something and I watched that and it, it, it's awesome. Like they were really, really great picks and I'm, I'm really grateful for our listeners and their feedback and their suggestions because guess what? We're using them and um, I, I am now uh, what is it? Spending my time wisely oh, by, like uh, yeah. by by consuming them. So uh, anyway, I guess I guess they have an, a little extra IEP stamp of approval. I didn't do. There's nothing. I didn't consume anything else this week because of it. So <laughs> I was like, I don't really know what to do for my pick of the week because the, this is what I was consuming. But I, I guess the point is, I could have put them. I could have put the book down and not and stopped watching the movie if I didn't think either one of them were good. But they're both fantastic. So. There you go. Awesome. Those picks of the week are going to good use. <laughs> That's I love right. It. I, I they're really, going to they're I'm going really, to good homes. Yeah, I'm really excited to check out both of them. Uh, to be honest, like those were two that I was just like, yeah, those sound great. So now that they have the uh, additional AJ stamp of approval, I'm super stoked. And, What's yours? Quick, let's get out of here. All right. So mine is is a, is interesting. Uh, it's been around for about a year, but it's called Yurtle. It's another one of those sort of like cutesy named web startup things. Or are right? you going to get upset? There, there's no like, <laughs> I know, there's no, there's no weird spelling here. It's Y-E-R-D-L-E dot com, Yertle. But what I love about it is just sort of the ideology behind it. It's essentially uh, a, um, it's like Craigslist, but with no sort of money involved. So it's like... It, I'm trying to like find a decent way to describe it by being clever and it's not happening. So what it is, is it's a bartering system. It's, it's, a, it's a trading thing. So it, it grew out of this sort of understanding that, that capitalism and consumerism is destroying our spirits and our planets and our lives and our bank accounts. And uh, why, you know, we all have all this stuff that we're not using and we're throwing and adding to you know the landfills all around the world and things like that and creating more disease and problems and so it's like why don't we take this stuff that we're not using and you know take a photo of it post it on an online marketplace you know assign a certain sort of value to it i'm using air quotations i've been using a lot of air quotations this episode but a value to it uh and then somebody else who maybe wants that thing can go on and say i want that and then they you know pay the value, it's measured in Yertle dollars on this website. So let's say I had a t-shirt that I wasn't wearing anymore, but it's a good t-shirt, it's in good shape, it's got a funny logo on the front or something. I could say, you know what, I don't want this, but I want to throw it out. I'm not going to give it to anybody. I'm going to put it up on Yertle and say it's worth 20 Yertle dollars. And then you, AJ, you see it, you go, oh, I like that t-shirt. Rather than me going out and spending $30 on a new t-shirt, I'm going to get this one for 20 Yertle dollars. And you can accrue Yertle dollars by posting your own stuff and shipping your own stuff to people. And so let's say you had done a couple things. You would have, you know, 100 Yertle dollars and you would just subtract 20 and then I would ship this thing to you. And then you'd have it. And so no new products are entering the system. No new forests need to be cut down. No no new, you know, um, 
materials need to be sort of harvested for for this and and we just get to kind of reduce our overall consumption by a significant amount just by reusing and recycling and and um, there's some really interesting articles. I get their email. It's called the Yertle Post. It's a weekly email. And they've always got really interesting articles to New Yorker articles and people that are cleaning up the oceans and all sorts of just great stuff that's based around sustainable living. And I don't say that as a hippie. I say that as like a scientist, like sustainable, like we need to move away from this model of just like new, new, new growth, growth, growth. It's gonna destroy us, and so Yertle is a is a really solid sort of entry in the fight for um, you know sh- shifting our cultural story towards something that's gonna ensure our survival. I know I'm getting a little extreme here, but that's awesome. I am downloading the app as we speak. It's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I have to say, like, there's some really sort of interesting stuff on it, and part of me is a little OCD, and I see these things that people have used, and I'm like. Ew, like, what if there's, like, hair on it or something? Like, I get, you know, <laughs> but then I think, you know, like, tre- like then take it, like, then just wash it off or something, Trev. Like, get over it, man. Like, it's it's either that or it's 30 bucks to H&M, which has plenty of money already, you know, and then I can take that 30 bucks and pay off my debt or put it in savings and invest and retire a year earlier. You know, there's all sorts of, like, opportunities when we start looking at the world differently and say, that's not being used they don't need it, but I could use it, and and I don't know. I'm I'm in love with the idea of it, and I think this is a great start for a lot of people. Yertle.com, and yeah, download the app, Android and or iPhone. Okay. Brilliant. Yes, that was a really long um, uh, d- uh, explanation. Do you want to talk about our <laughs> listener pick of the week this week? Sure, yeah. This is more of an IEP team pick of the week. Uh, we actually got it quite a, a, a while ago, but we had other listener picks to get through. Uh, Jasmine Bristow, our uh, director of PR, uh, sent in uh, this thing called Bored and Brilliant. Uh, The link is on our website now, but uh, she says, uh, hey, Trev, that's you. I think you'll especially love this one. It's a seven-day challenge to spend less time on your phone. I did it a couple of months ago, and she did. I watched. I witnessed it happen. I did it a couple of months ago, and it was definitely helpful. And she also included this, uh, this link to an interview with the organizer, like the person who who um, put the whole thing together to get her get her opinion on the challenge, and I guess they did some study and I don't know some I, I can't remember the exact details. It's been a while since I read the interview, but apparently, it, like people only reduce their use by like two percent. Hmm. And she was like, oh, at first she thought like, oh, I failed, like this is a failure. And then she was like, well, I guess, you know, any step in the right direction is a good thing. But anyway, it's it's really fascinating. The the whole challenge is laid out in this like blog format on the website and you can yeah take the seven day challenge. And I, I actually would encourage anyone to do that. Take this. I mean, start right now, and then by the time you know our next episode goes live, you'll be using your phone again, so you can listen to us. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it it it's, some of the stuff you know. Jasmine was like, "Yeah, you're supposed to do this, this, this," and I was like, "I don't, oh, I don't want to do that. I like doing those things." <laughs> <clears throat> and it and it just you know it reminded me of uh, a little bit, a little bit, a sort of milder version of the feeling that I got when NC came on the show in like episode six mm-hmm. and was talking about you know being carless in Los Angeles, and I got like almost physically ill, like. Oh, I don't know how I would do that. That scares me. Um, so, 
But uh, but yeah, this is about your phone as opposed to your car. So uh, anyway, check it out. Yeah, it looks like a really good exercise and experiment and just just becoming aware of how our technology tends to run our lives sometimes when we're not sort of, you know, present to it. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm really stoked. I remember when Jasmine sent this and I looked at it and I didn't actually follow through with the seven day challenge. But hey, man, let's do it on the membership group. Why not? Ooh, good one. Good one. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll tell Jasmine to post it on there. Brilliant. Right. Cool. So that is Station Eleven and Supermensch, both sort of repicked picks uh, because they're so great. Uh, Yurtle.com and this bored and brilliant sort of seven day cell phone challenge. So make sure you guys check them out. So member win of the week comes from none other than Freddy Velateo himself. This guy has been blowing it up, y'all. And let me just say, <clears throat> he's been really listening to the podcast and like and like putting this information to work. So like here's what he here's what he did in a nutshell. He we, we talked about this a lot on the show, but I, I remember when I interned uh, at a, at a commercial casting agency. I saw an actor come in and do this, and the agents were floored. And after the, after she left, they were like, oh, my God, we've never seen anybody like that. And Freddie did what this chick that came into the office did. Freddie made a list of all the casting directors that he has relationships with and or that he wants to work with. And he brought that list in to his meeting with his prospective agent. And he said, hi, you know, I'm so-and-so. Here are my materials. This is my type. These are my strengths. These are the casting directors I have relationships with. This is where I'm headed. These are my goals. Uh, Do you want to work together? Then she asked him what he does outside of acting, and he said he's got this clothing line, which he does. Boom. She was excited about that. Uh, She complimented him on how he doesn't look his age all of a sudden. She doesn't want him to read for them. She doesn't need to see him read. Uh, And then, of course, he, at this this point, he, in the the post- uh, this was like a week or so ago. Um, he said he was going to update us on how it pans out, but uh, suffice to say, he blew it up and got an offer very quickly from them. Uh, and he's had a couple meetings that were this successful. And it's all because he walked in and said, I'm a business person. I'm a professional. I know where I'm headed. Y'all want to work with me or not? They were like, oh shit, this guy's already done half the work that we would have had to do that would have taken months, and he's already there. So, love it. Freddie, congrats, dude. Blowing <coughs> it up. So. Proud of you and honored to be part of your journey, man. Really, really, really. Yeah, congrats, man. Yeah. So cool. So cool. And we'll see you for episode 200. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Alrighty. Uh, well, today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by moi, AJ Meyer, and of course, Trevor Alget. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algat composed our theme music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes over at our website, InsideActing.net, built and maintained by the brilliant Gadali Gubarek. You can also find us on iTunes, where you can also, if you feel so called, you can leave us a review there. Thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal2 and VO2Gogo.com, and thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and want to maximize its value in your life and career, you can sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks like access to our membership mem- membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups like the ABC workshop. Is that what you guys are calling them? Always be creating. Always be creating, y'all. Masterminds yeah. group that's happening out in L.A. and hopefully starting soon in New York. And discounts on merchandise like our... Uh, 
fabled IAP t-shirts and other things coming up, and of course other upcoming podcast offerings. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab. So that's it for episode 195 of Inside Acting. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, see what you believe. 